Good morning. I am really happy to be here with you today. I hope you've had a wonderful hot week like all the rest of us have. And hopefully the Lord has provided a little break for us from the heat. It's supposed to only be in the 90s today, which would you ever think that'd be wonderful? You know, every year the dictionary updates the English language dictionary, and they add words every year. Some of the more recent words that have been added are things like clickbait. Do you all know what clickbait is? That's when you see a headline that Southwest Airlines makes shocking confession, you know, and you go click on it, and it's just a page full of ads and an irrelevant little article, right? And back 50 years ago, we didn't know what clickbait was, but now we do. One of the words that has recently been added to the uh, dictionary is this word YOLO. Do you know what YOLO means? Do y'all know what YOLO means? All of these kids do. Do y'all know? I see lots of heads going up and down. That's a short, that's a, a phrase that stands for you only live once, right? You only live once. And it's generally used in this way. You know, life is short and the world is wide. There's some beautiful places in this world to go see. My oldest daughter and her husband have moved to Alaska. And I want to tell you, if you're young, don't go to Alaska because you'll never be happy anywhere else. I mean, it's beautiful. It is an amazing place to see. It's just fantastic. Do you like to travel? you like to go see beautiful places and faraway destinations? Why not? You only live once. I mean, why waste your time with school and work and all of that when you can go back and pack around Europe? I mean, you only get to be 20 once, right? You only live once. Have fun. Somebody says, well, I'm not into traveling. Have you ever really, really gone fast? I mean, really fast in a car. Now, I'm not recommending this, but I'm just saying that's exciting. (laughs) And why not? YOLO, right? You only live once. I mean, how many times do you get to drive a Corvette and go 150 miles an hour? YOLO. Well, I don't want to do something dangerous like that. I just want to go up to Windstar and party this weekend. I want to go have fun at Windsor. I mean, why not? You go up there and you can knock back some drinks and you can gamble and you might win some money. YOLO. No reason not to, huh? It's fun. You only live once. Enjoy your life. Maybe smoke some weed. That's legal in Oklahoma for just about any reason, seems like. They're everywhere in Oklahoma. And it's headed that way here in Texas, right? Why not do it? I mean, it doesn't hurt anything, does it? YOLO, have fun. Enjoy. Somebody says, that's drugs. Come on, preacher, we wouldn't do anything. We're Christian people. We wouldn't do anything like drugs. Okay. You can go to the Heart Attack Grill. And they will stack as many patties and nasty together as you can eat. Why not? I mean, just eat till your belly hurts. Enjoy life. Have fun. YOLO. You only live once. 
Burn that candle at both ends. I mean, you got to watch that Netflix queue. Binge watch all night long. If you can get out of bed tomorrow, hallelujah. Just do it. You only live once, right? Life's too short to work at a job you don't like. If you don't like it, quit. My goodness. Who would be stuck for years at a job they didn't like doing just to make money? Quit. Stay home. Get on welfare. YOLO. You don't need to put up with that stuff. This woman, I've not watched her, but I understand that she teaches people to go through your house and pick up everything you've got and just hold it and say, does this give me joy? And if it doesn't, get rid of it. Is that a good idea? Well, we've got a, a 30 years worth of junk in my house. It doesn't give me joy. I'd be happy to get rid of some of that stuff. Should we just get rid of everyone and everything in our lives that doesn't give us joy, that doesn't make us happy? Get rid of it. I mean, life's too short. You only live once. There's, now, for those of you who didn't know the word YOLO, there was a woman by the name of Mae West. Any of you all know who that was? No. <laughs> but some of you do. Mae West was an old actress years ago. She was very famous for saying, you only live once, but if you do it right, once is enough. Just grab life and get all you can get out of it. Is there anything wrong with that? Let me read you something that someone else said, another quote. Jesus Christ said, The hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Now those are the words of Jesus. And what Jesus says here is you don't only live once. This life is not all there is to it. Yes, you will die. Someday, unless the Lord comes back before that, you're going to be in the grave. You're going to be dead. But Jesus said that the day's going to come when you will get up out of that grave. You won't be in the grave any longer. And when you come out of that grave, there's going to be a resurrection of life or resurrection of condemnation. So according to Scripture, according to Jesus, YOLO and the Bible, the words of Jesus, are exact opposites. They're not the same. It's not true that you only live once. And as you live this life, if you have the attitude, well, I only live once, I'm going to have fun. You're going to be making a grave mistake because God will judge you for the things you do during this life. God will judge you for the choices you make and the decisions you choose and how you want to live your life. God's going to judge you for that. And the Bible teaches us that God requires certain things of us. It's been true for generations. Haggai said to the people of his day, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. This YOLO idea is not new. The word's new in the dictionary, but it's not new. This has been around for centuries, generations. 
And Haggai said, don't live that way. Don't throw caution to the wind and just say, well, you only live once, I'm going to do it. Don't do that. Instead, consider your ways. Here's what Paul said about it. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says, you, as you walk through this life, you need to walk circumspectly. Do you know what that word means, circumspectly? Circum, like circumference or something that's round. Circum means around. And spectly is like spectacles or inspect. It's the word to look at. So he says, as you walk through your life, you need to look around carefully and pay attention to what's going on around you. And don't be a fool. You need to know what the will of God is in your life. You need to know that and embrace that and pay attention to that. And don't just throw caution to the wind and float through life like a balloon being tossed about by every wind that comes by. God requires certain things of you and of me. And I want to talk about some of those things He requires. Because you see, Christianity is not part-time. This is one of my favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. If Jesus is who he said he was, he claimed to be the only way to the Father, the only way to be saved. Do you believe that? If that's true, that is more important than anything else. And if that's not true... It's a total waste of time. The thing it can't be is partly true. It can't be kind of true. It has to be completely true or completely false. Now, I believe this is completely true, and I don't believe there are any openings for part-time Christians. I don't believe there's any place for a part-time Christian. But I believe in our world, that's really our biggest challenge, isn't it? It's our biggest temptation to say, yes, I believe that, and I want to live that way, but just do it part-time instead of whole-time. You know, there are things that God requires of you and I. And I want to cover just a few of those things with you this morning. Number one, God requires repentance. Jesus telling a story about a tower that fell and killed some people. He said, do you think those people were more wicked than everyone else? And he said, I tell you no, but... Unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. God requires from you and from me repentance. Now, do you know what repentance is? The word repent means to turn or to change. So repentance means I was walking this direction, and I repent, that means I turn around and I walk the other direction. It does not mean I walk this direction and go, man, I'm, I might ought to be going that way. It'd probably be better if I went that way. You know, maybe next time I'll go that way. That's not repentance. Repentance is actually making a change. And I want to tell you, the world that we live in religiously in America, and I call it Christ, American Christianity as opposed to biblical Christianity, 
But the idea is that God loves you and you can live any way you want and you can do anything you want because He loves you and it doesn't matter what you do. God's going to save you. He wants you to be happy. Grab life and have fun. Enjoy whatever you... Follow your heart. Follow your dream. Do what you want to do. And brothers and sisters, that's not biblical Christianity. We took a trip... I'm one of those, by the way, who loves to travel. I love to see the beautiful places. We took a trip recently, and we were up in the northeast, up around Toronto, Canada, and up in the northeast part of the United States. And as we were traveling around, there was church after church after church up there. Now, not near as many churches as there are here, but one thing almost every church we saw had in common, they were flying out in front of that church, a big rainbow flag with signs that said, only love spoken here, things like that, okay? I want you to know, I want you to hear this, that you cannot continue to embrace and live in sin and be pleasing to God. You can't do it. The truth is, if you aren't different than you were before you came to Jesus, then you didn't repent, and you're not saved. You're going to perish. That's the truth. You can't just continue to live however you want to live and claim that you're a Christian. I mean, you can claim it, but it doesn't make it real. Another thing that's an absolute requirement is belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. If you believe not that I am He, you will die in your sins, Jesus said. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Talked to a Muslim fellow just the other day. He's a Sunday school teacher in his Muslim mosque. And we were talking. He said, well, you know, we all, we believe all religions are, are you know, have some truth in them and are of God. He said, we, we believe in Jesus. And I said, you believe in Jesus and you're a Muslim? And he said, well, yeah, you know, we believe he was a, he was a prophet. I said, do you believe he was the Son of God? Well, no, that's Christians that believe that. I said, you're right. Now listen, the truth is, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Christianity believes Jesus is the Son of God. You believe Jesus is the Son of God, right? Muslims don't. They can't both be true. Jesus can't be the Son of God for Christians and not the Son of God for Muslims. They can't both be true. The reality is you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him. You have to believe that to be right with God. If you don't believe and trust in Jesus Christ... You will die in your sins. And Jesus said, if you die in your sins, where I am, you cannot come. You will not be with Jesus and the Father if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Something else God requires from you is baptism. Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, I don't understand why there's such an objection among religious people to being baptized because baptism is just your birth into the family of God. Someone says, well, I believe in Jesus. 
I've repented of my sins. I want to walk and follow Him, but I don't want to be baptized. That's your birth into His family. If you refuse to be born into the family of God, you're not a part of the family of God. You will never be in God's family if you refuse your birth. The Bible is plain in many, many passages. Let every one of you be baptized. Have you been baptized? Talked to a lady in Jamaica one time. And uh, she, my daughter, was trying to buy some stuff there at her little shop. And uh, as we talked, she, uh, she looked and noticed I had Church of Christ Nigeria t-shirt on. And she said, are you from Nigeria? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not from Nigeria. I said, no, ma'am, but I do missionary work over there. She said, oh, you're a Christian. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, huh, and turned around. And I said, excuse me, ma'am. And she looked at me, and I said, are you a Christian? And she stopped, and she said, I'm a believer. I said, oh. I said, well, what's the difference in a believer and a Christian? And she said, once you come to Jesus, you can never, ever leave him. I said, that's right. I said, that's absolutely right. I said, you don't want to start and turn away and go back. So I said, are you telling me that you believe in Jesus, but you've never been baptized? And she said, that's right. And I said, I want you to know Jesus is coming back. And it may be tonight. And you need to be baptized. You need to be right with Him. And she said, I know, but you can never leave Jesus. And I said, you could be baptized right now. And about that time, Bruce Kessler, who was with us, walked up. And I said, this man right here could baptize you. And Bruce said, yeah, in the name of the Father, she said, and the Son and the Holy Ghost. I said, that's right. She said, but we would need water. I said, the ocean's across the street. <laughs> About that time, we had to leave to go back to our ship. And uh, I said, you really need to think about this. She reached out and grabbed my hand. And she said, will you pray for me? I said, sure, I will. And I prayed for her then, and I've prayed for her since. But I don't know if she ever obeyed the Lord. I don't know if she was ever baptized. I prayed that she was. I hope that she was baptized. But until she's baptized, she's right. She's just a believer. She's not a Christian. You've got to be baptized to be born into the family of God. It also requires faithfulness. You have to be faithful to Jesus Christ. The Revelation 2 and verse 10, I understand you all have been studying Revelation recently. Okay, Revelation 2.10, I misunderstood this verse for years. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. And I thought that meant you be faithful until the day you die, and then you'll get a crown of life. And that's true. But what this verse is saying is you be faithful to the point of death. In other words, you be faithful even if it costs your life. And I'll give you a crown of life. If it costs you dying here in this world. Commitment less than to the point of death is unfaithfulness. It's what it is. You can't be kind of faithful. 
You can't be part-time faithful. Faithful is an either-or proposition. Are you faithful to God and Jesus Christ? Well, that means several things that I want to cover briefly with you. Number one, that means place nothing ahead of Jesus Christ. Look at this passage. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You can't love anyone more than Jesus and be right with Him. You can't. Now, most of you who've known me very long know my wife, Carrie. She came here for many years and helped with the summer work and all. You all know her. She's a wonderful, godly Christian woman. And I have been, as they say, people marry above themselves. I did. I have been so blessed, and I want you to know as I live out the final years of my life, in my mind, a success for me will be to die with her holding my hand. That will be, for me, a successful life. I love her, and there's not a thing in this world I wouldn't do for her. But I want you to know the truth. The truth is, she's just a wife. She's not a Savior. Because when I die, even if she's holding my hand, she doesn't cross the river with me. Only the Savior does that. Only God. Only Jesus Christ. And what Jesus is saying is this. If it costs you your family, if you had to give up your family, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. I'm worth more than your wife or your husband. I'm worth more than your kids or your parents. I'm worth more than your wife. Because I can save you, and none of the rest of that stuff can save you. None of the rest of those people can save you. Only Jesus Christ can save us. That's why he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That means put nothing ahead of Jesus. There's nothing that's more important than Jesus Christ in our relationship with him said they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. There was nothing going to stop them from serving God. Now, many of you know I go to Nigeria. I do evangelistic missionary work in Nigeria. And I didn't want to go to Nigeria. I did not want to go. Justin Springer asked me over and over and over, and I'd always tell him, you know what, there's lots of unsaved people in Texas. And if we get them all saved, I can go to Oklahoma. I do not need to go across the ocean. Finally, he prevailed on me to really seriously consider it, and I went home and I asked my wife. I said, what do you think? She said, you need to do whatever you think you need to do for God. I said, okay, I'll go. I did not know. I did not know when she put me on that plane to go to Nigeria that first time, she honestly believed she would never see me alive again. She didn't think I'd come home. But she was willing for the kingdom of God to put me on that plane for the kingdom of God. You know, the truth is, I don't know. I may die in Nigeria someday. I may die in McKinney, Texas. I don't know where I'm going to die, but I know this. I'm going to die serving Jesus, wherever it is, 
whatever the case is, I'm going to die serving him. You've got to be faithful. You have to be an active, committed part of the church. Did you know the church is the family of God? You knew that, didn't you? The church is God's family, and you've got to be an active, committed part of his family. You can't love Jesus. It's a big deal today for people to say, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I have a relationship with God, but I don't need a church. Yes, you do. You need the church, and you need to be an active, engaged part of the church. Look what Jesus said. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The very first priority in our lives as we serve Jesus Christ should be his family and the place that we play in his family. That should take precedence or priority over all the other activities, all the other entertainment, all the other pursuits of life. And listen, I'm not belittling getting an education or having a good job or taking a family vacation. All of that stuff's great. There's nothing wrong with that stuff in its place. But when that becomes more priority to me than actually being an active part of his church, I've made a serious mistake. People say, Lord, I will follow you anywhere. I will go anywhere. Listen, I faced this question. Lord, I will follow you anywhere, but Nigeria? Eh, I don't know. That wasn't an easy choice for me. Is there anywhere you wouldn't follow Jesus? Anything he would ask you to do that you wouldn't do? Anywhere you draw the line and say, nope, not that. Lord, I love you and I'll serve you, but not that. Lord, I want to read my Bible. But you know, i got to do my yearly Harry Potter series reading. I gotta get through that series or Lord of the Rings or whatever it might be that I have to read every year, right? Lord, they're gonna take my favorite show off Netflix, and I gotta get them all watched, or they're gonna be gone. I'd love to read the Bible, Lord. I plan to, you know. I heard a guy preach about that, and I said, Yep, I'm gonna start reading my Bible. But you know, every time I try to read it, it's confusing. And it's hard, and I don't really understand it, and I just, I just don't get anything out of it, Lord. Lord, I want to study my Bible, but I've got an excuse. Lord, I'd love to be at worship, but, you know, the kids, you know, kids on select ball team now, and they have to play on Sundays. You know, I don't, I wish they didn't, don't you? Man, I wish they just we could find a place for my kids to be involved in sports that they didn't have to miss all the church services. But what are you going to do? Right? We uh, homeschooled our children for part of their lives, and we were involved in a large homeschool organization. And one of the big things they did was they had a play every year. And my daughters were always in the play from the time they first started all the way up. And my older two girls got through school. And Jerrica was, I don't know, junior probably. And uh, they decided right before the play that they were going to have play practice on Wednesday night. And I talked to the director and I said, well, I said, Jerrica is not going to be there because we, we've got church commitments on Wednesday night. 
And that was quite a hullabaloo, quite a big deal. And it wasn't like she had the lead in the play. It was just, you know, she was, but no, you need to be committed to this. And we had kind of a a deal about that. So the next year, they came out with what we called the McCorkle document. And the McCorkle document was when you went to audition for the play, everyone had to sign a paper saying, I will skip church to practice. You believe that? And I went before the, the group that led our homeschool association, and I said, you know, I can understand this in a secular school. I said, but this is supposed to be a Christian homeschool organization. I cannot believe that you would require that. And they said, well, you just got to make your own choice. We made a choice. And we made that choice, and they uh, came down with the... I said, I want to bring it before your board, and we did, and they talked about it, and they wanted to let me know their decision. And the, the person who led our homeschool association came and met with me. And we sat down, and she said, the board has voted you down, and you're going to have to sign that if she's going to be in that play. And I said, okay, she won't be in that place. She said, okay, I recognize your commitment. And she said, but can I just ask you a question? I said, sure. She said, what's the big deal? I mean, it's just a Wednesday night. It's not like we've asked her to give up Christianity. It's not like we've asked her to quit going to church. It's not even missing a Sunday. What's the big deal? It's just a Wednesday night. And I said, that's a fair question. I don't necessarily think God's going to... In fact, I don't think God's going to send you to hell if you miss a Wednesday night. So what's what's the big deal? I said, you know, in our family, every family has to draw a line somewhere. And there's just one Wednesday night for this practice. But you know, the party after the play is going to be on a Wednesday night. And then the volleyball practice is going to be on a Wednesday night. And then the volleyball traveling is going to be on a Wednesday night. And then the volleyball tournament's going to be on a Sunday. And, and I said, we've just made the decision in our home that God wants us to worship Him above everything else. And extracurricular activities are never going to get between us and serving God. You know what she said to me? She said, I get it. She said, you know, my sons play select baseball. And every Sunday, I'm convicted that we ought to be at church. But what can you do? Okay? Now, I'm not trying to throw stones at this lady. Maybe she, you know, worked through all of that herself. I don't know. But what I'm saying is there's always going to be a reason. There will always be something to get in the way of you serving Jesus Christ. If you want to be at worship, be at worship. Don't make excuses. Don't draw lines. Be at worship. All of these just amount to some variety of, Lord, I love you, but... I love you, but there's other things that get in the way of me completely and wholeheartedly following you. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You need to be here. You need to be a part of this family. 
You need to be a part of the activities. And not just the worship assemblies, but everything the church does. They're your family. That needs to be priority to you if you're going to serve God. Thirdly, you have to have godly moral character. We live in a culture that says character doesn't matter. That your morality makes no difference. We have churches all over that celebrate immorality, that welcome people that live together and never get married, and well, you know, what's the big deal? As long as they're loving Jesus, as long as they're serving Jesus, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger or unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. He said, let it not be once named among you. Brothers and sisters, it should be uncomfortable for you to worship with and participate with God's family and openly embrace sin. That ought to be uncomfortable. It ought to not be okay. God said, let it not be named among His people. Listen, it's not okay for you to live together and not be married. It's not okay for you to embrace and promote things such as abortion or homosexuality. God's Word is plain about those things. He said, don't let that stuff be named once. It's not okay for you to look at pornography. That's not okay. It's not okay for you to lie to people. It's not okay for you to take stuff that's not yours. That's not okay. It shouldn't once be named among God's people. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, drunkenness, murders, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And at the risk of being flippant, which I'm not being, I didn't write that, I just read it. That's not my idea. That's not your elders or your deacons' idea here. That's God's idea. It's what God says. And God says, if you embrace these things, if you do these things, young folks, if you live this way, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And that's important. It's important to know. It's important for us as older adult Christians to tell our young people this. It's important to hold that up as a standard in the, in the church and in our families because this is God's standard and He requires people to live different. He requires a life of moral purity from all of us. So we've talked about believing God requires you to believe. Repenting, He requires you to change and turn away from sin. We've talked about being baptized. Have you been baptized? I hope you have. If not, you can do that today. We've talked about being faithful. 
Have you been making excuses for your unfaithfulness? Have you been making compromises with this world? Have you been embracing something that's sin, you know, that close, friendly sin that's been your companion for years, and you you say, yeah, I want to get rid of it, but no, I mean get rid of it. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to make the church a priority in your life? One of the beauties of getting to come preach somewhere that I don't worship regularly is that I don't know what you do in your life. So don't feel like I'm picking on you because I don't know. But you know. And God knows. Do you need to make some changes? I want to close with one more passage of Scripture. And that passage of Scripture is this. Revelation 20. And I saw a great white throne, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And what I do is I tell you YOLO is not true. I lay before you a choice today, and that choice is this. You can live once and die twice, or you can die once and live twice. And I call you to die once and live twice. I call you to be resurrected to that eternal life. If you're not right with God, we offer a song of invitation. If we can help you be right with God, come to the front while we stand and sing. It's a trumpet of-